Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. The Euros All Access podcast is proudly sponsored by Vauxhall. Before we kickstart today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to make sure that all of our listeners are aware of the Vauxhall ELCV range. If you don't know what I'm referring to, it is the best-selling electric van range from Vauxhall, which is driving innovation in 2024 with its modern facelifted design and improved electric technology. Now, I know the transition to an electric vehicle can sometimes feel daunting, but rest assured that when you choose Vauxhall, you're in the safest of hands. The ELCV range is designed to be as accessible as a diesel van, with an electric range of up to 261 miles, and with one year's free public charging included, you will find it cheaper to run too. If you are already thinking of making the leap to an all-electric vehicle, then consider this your official sign. Go online and search Vauxhall Electric Vans today, Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast with me, Sam Matterface, the former Chelsea FA Cup winning left back, West Ham and Charlton star Scott Minto and TalkSport's football correspondent Alex Crook. The final day is a battle for supremacy at the top and a war of the roses at the bottom. Well, we've certainly got a title race on now. And Manchester City go four points clear of Liverpool at the top of the Premier League. Liverpool in front, Southampton one, Liverpool two. It now means there'll be a point between Man City and Liverpool going into the final day of the season. Everton are safe after a dramatic comeback against Palace. West Ham want to pit Manchester United to the post and secure Europa League football. And Tottenham can only miss out on the Champions League if they achieve what only Burnley, Southampton and Everton have all done this season. And that's lose at Carrow Road. And not even a dodgy lasagna could cook up that sort of collapse. The best preview to the weekend's football is right here. With all the accuracy of Vout Veghorst and the friendly banter of Jamie Carragher and Richarlison, it's the Game Day Podcast from Talk Sport. This is Game Day. Oh yeah, he played for Benfica, he played for West Ham, he won the FA Cup with Chelsea after pumping up the dressing room with banging house music, that's right, and then after that he uh, presented live football uh, for Sky, starting with Spanish football actually, oh yeah, a bit of Spanish football, yeah, ooh, I like it. Maybe it's a bit too upbeat, or is it upbeat enough? Maybe, oh no, that's a bit uh, Europop. I'm sure he likes a bit of Europop. Ah, that's better. And we're trying to make you feel at home. Scott Minto, how are you? Sam, thank you very much. I don't know where to start with that. There's so many little facets to what how you just introduced me. I'll, I'll take that. I mean, you do look like a, a DJ in Ibiza at the moment, or trying to, I have to say. Uh, yeah, I've got my one. little uh, mobile scooter uh, quite close to me, electric scooter as well. So I'm really just tapping into the youth here. 
Well, we saw that, didn't we? So, I mean, that just tells me exactly what you think of Ibiza, <laughs> that it's San Antonio, a kind of 18 to 30, whereas Crookie and I would be in the Ibiza town, you know, really going to places like Leo and, uh, and really nice ocean beach clubs. Are you trying, establishment. Are you trying to make out that there's something classy about Alex Crook? Absolutely. <laughs> You've only ever met him once, haven't you? Yeah, you're more Pete Wrong than Pete Tong, Sam. <laughs> uh, Crookie's back from Seville, uh, but we don't want you going all Ralph Haas and Hootal. I saw you with your toes in the pool, supping up the sangria in the sunshine. Um, we have final day drama to discuss, so no slacking off, please. <laughs> uh, the sombrero has been put back into storage we've got one more big weekend but I know this is not a podcast about the Europa League can I just say what a fantastic trip 150,000 fans in Seville one arrest they handled themselves and represented their club impeccably and it was the best atmosphere over 48 hours that I can remember attending a football match. Absolutely brilliant. Shame for Rangers, they couldn't get the win. Pleased you enjoyed it. I saw that you were there working really hard in that uh, hospitality suite at uh, the uh, Stadio Sanchez-Pichuan. And uh, then you were uh, out on the tiles, weren't you? So, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it must have been a really arduous, arduous week for you. So, well done. Um, uh, Scott, tenth final day. Can you believe it's gone down to the wire? Yeah, just on that one about Cricky, I only really properly met. I feel like I know him. I feel like he's almost like a brother the amount of times I listen to him on the radio. You know, it's like, oh, my God, my brother's on again. I've got to switch off. But, no, uh, you know, uh, uh, the only time I've properly met him was the football writers. And, you know, we were going to be wingmen all the way through to the night until Kaz took me home at two o'clock in the morning. So I don't know how long ago Cricky went on for. But, yeah, I'm sure he, he went all would've... the way through to the Europa League final, Scott. I, I, I don't doubt that. And um, and that's why he's one of my partners in Ibiza at some time in the future. Look <laughs> forward to but, it. But no, let, let's 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 talk shop. I mean, it's it's just incredible, isn't it? You get to the last game, and we all think we know what might happen, but actually, the title's still not decided. Top four still not decided, and relegation still not decided. This is just the perfect end to what is the best league in the world. So, you know, the broadcasters, the Premier League itself couldn't have planned this better really it's it's an amazing last day okay let's get to it and there are two horse races everywhere well we've certainly got a title race on now and manchester city go four points clear of liverpool at the top of the premier league liverpool in front Southampton one liverpool two it now means there'll be a point between man city and liverpool going into the final day of the season they are the perfect outcome of the premier league that you don't know who wins the league until the last games of the season. Etihad Stadium will be sold out, will be full. They will give us everything and we will give them everything. I think if we would become champion, it would be deserved as well. But for that, we have to win. And then we have to see. Here comes Salah, left footed, smashes it down the middle. And Liverpool lead by two goals for now. Oh, Kevin De Bruyne with a rocket. What a fantastic strike! Not only two of the best sides in the Premier League right here today, these are two of the best sides in Europe, there's no doubt about it. And we have a magnificent title race on our hands. Manchester City against Aston Villa and Liverpool against Wolves Sunday afternoon and after a long, hard, gruelling season, it comes down to the last game of the campaign with Manchester City in pole position, but Liverpool just one point behind. Amazing, bearing in mind, Crook, that there was 14 points between them in January. Yeah, it's been a brilliant effort from Liverpool. You look at the, the run they've been on, not just in the Premier League, but in all competitions. They are a relentless winning machine. Even in midweek, I did catch a bit of this game um, in Spain. Obviously, Jurgen Klopp made a lot of changes. They went 1-0 behind. 
that didn't last for very long. And basically Liverpool's B team showed the same strength of character the first team have to get them to this point. But I think it's going to be one bridge too far. I just can't make a case for Manchester City not beating Aston Villa at home on the final day of the season. I know they have had slip-ups. They've lost to Palace at home. But they're so focused. They're so set on winning this Premier League title. They're so disappointed that it's not them going to the Champions League final next weekend. I think it will be a comfortable Manchester City win. I don't think the title race is going to serve up the type of last day drama that maybe we're hoping for. Okay, uh, Liverpool have closed the gap, but they need a slip. How does Steven Gerrard force one from City when Villa go there on Sunday, Scott? Yeah, look, look. in, in terms of the bigger picture and, and the, the money will all be on Cookie being absolutely spot on. You know, we were all there at the, the FA Cup final where I, I, neither team, just like the Carabao Cup final, deserved to lose. And it's almost like it would have been fair for, okay, Liverpool win the Carabao Cup, let Chelsea win the FA Cup, and that's the case, because there's nothing between these two teams in, in the league and, and um, in the Cups. And yet, Pep's talked about everybody in the media supporting Liverpool. Does the big man upstairs support Liverpool this season? Is he making sure that City are dropping points, that Liverpool are, are on their way to the quadruple? Look, I, I, I can't see it. I watched Villa um, Thursday and I, I thought this, this is still a big thing for, for Steven Gerrard, you know, what he's looking to prove for himself going forward. And, and they're nowhere near where they want to be. Yes, they, they gave uh, Liverpool a, a tough time recently. I just feel, I'm, I'm like Crookie, I just feel that City have got the bit between their teeth. I mean, what they've done since the Bernabeu you know, 10 goals in two games. And, and let me tell you, the London Stadium where West Ham playing the way they were playing in that first half, I think any team in the world would have struggled that, that West Ham can be that good. I, I just think it's one of those where if they let this one go, they might not be able to get over it for a very, very long time. Yeah. So even from a tactical point of view, they've got the players, they've got the substitutes, they've got the mindset. And I think they're up against the sides that... Okay, on their day can can give anyone a tough go, but I don't think they can give City a, a real tough test. Um, Do we know the weather forecast, Sam, for the weekend? Is it, what's, what's the weather conditions going to be? Well, it's Manchester, so it's going to rain. Okay, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just wondering if it might be slippy underfoot in the dugouts. I hope that Stephen Gerrard, you know, maybe wears some studs and make sure that he doesn't slip over at the end oh, of a title race. No. Oh, so I mean, I've already made one of those thing. jokes, and the, you, you know, it went under the radar, and it's a little bit cleverer than that go. as well. I mean, car oh, crikey, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> you obviously haven't had much sleep since you got back from Seville. Um, but City <laughs> have fallen early in the Champions League. They have fallen early in the FA Cup. They have fallen early in the League Cup this season. Would it be fair to say it'd be a largely underwhelming season in terms of trophies, no matter what happens at the weekend? And actually, does that give Liverpool a sneaky bit of hope that maybe, as Scott says, the man upstairs, there's a big sort of conspiracy. There's something a bit spooky coming on. Yeah, because it feels as if everything's on, on Liverpool's side. Is that sort of like, are we clutching at straws here? Is that because the whole country is rooting for Liverpool Everyone, to win the title? So. In, in the words of Pep Guardiola and, to, um, and Tuchel, everyone, everyone, everyone thinks that everyone loves Liverpool. I'm, I'm not sure that's the case, guys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that isn't the case, incidentally. Uh, psychologically, yes, you know they're under pressure. They'll be under pressure until they get the first goal. If Aston Villa were to take the lead, that would really set us up for a, a fabulous grandstand finish to the season. And I guess. The, poet, the poetic way for the title to be decided would be for uh, Felipe Coutinho, part of that magnificent Liverpool side that came so close uh, with Steven Gerrard leading 
as captain to winning the title. If he was to pop up with a, a 98 minute winner and hand Liverpool the title, what a story that would be. Um, but Aston Villa are not as good as West Ham. They're not, and but they, they were really good on Thursday when I saw them. And I thought, actually, they deserved to get all three points against Burnley, but didn't. Um, and, and do you know what? They With were pretty... Respect, Sam, they're, they're, they're playing Burnley. Yeah, I know. So, um, yeah. But they did rest Coutinho and Ings. And they're both ex-Reds, aren't they? And they're ready for battle. Look, I must admit, I'm playing devil's advocate here because, look, City have won more games. They've lost fewer games. They've scored more goals. They conceded less goals than Liverpool. They probably actually deserve to be champions, Scott, don't they? Yeah, but apart from that, what, what have they done? <laughs> You know, it's, a hor- it's a horrible situation for me because I'd quite like them both to suffer on the final day of the season, but obviously one of them has to win it. So it's, uh, it's the lesser of two evils. In that you want respect. Chelsea to get about 25 points for their final g- game win, don't you? And about 100 goals, yeah. That would yeah. be fantastic. Yeah, but then they'd actually no, have look, to win a home game and that's unlikely, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, but you, look, you're absolutely right. And, and it wouldn't be a disappointing season uh, if you win the Premier League. It cannot be, no matter what the doom-mongers say, if you win the Premier League, that cannot be a disappointing season. Yes, of course, it's disappointing what happened at the Bernabeu. And yes, of course, that's probably the one trophy that everybody at City wants. But, you know, I think everyone's saying it. Conte said it. Tuchel said it. You know, the Premier League is really shows you who the best team is. The rest of cup competitions, don't get me wrong, the Champions League is a fantastic cup competition and playing the best teams around Europe. But the Premier League is where it's at. The two best teams in the world are currently in the Premier League. And it is a shame that they're not playing each other. A real shame they're not playing each other in the Champions League final. I know Cricky was really looking forward to that one. But, <laughs> but no, I mean, how can you say it's a disappointing season when you win the Premier League? You know, there's a lot of people trying to be critical in that. But what Pep Guardiola has done, and I won't go here, I've said it before and I'll say it again in the future, is just change the face of football that only very few people have, I believe an argument for another time. But again, four titles in five seasons, I can't be disappointed. No, that's re- it's relentless success, but I wonder whether or not it's underwhelming in terms of what he has. Uh, I mean, I, I suppose the question is, is by his own incredibly high standards, I think he'll be disappointed, not necessarily, or underwhelmed by the fact that it's just the one trophy when usually they're, they're at least competing in the finals of others as well. I mean, they haven't got to the final of the League Cup. They haven't got to the final of the FA Cup. They've, they haven't got to the final of the Champions League. Again, it's one of those things that I think still will be in the back of his mind. Crook? I think it's the manner of the defeat against Real Madrid. I know we're, we're going over old ground, but that was a game they had in the palm of their hands and it was incredible the way that they found to lose that game. And that is in keeping with the way they've exited the Champions League in recent seasons. Every time they've got close to win a trophy, it's almost been architects their own downfall. Look at the final against Chelsea when he made that baffling decision to leave out both Rodri and Fernandinho for the only time all season. So I think... Listen, Pep is a winner. He has incredibly high standards. He will get to the end of the season. And I think he will be questioning why his team are not in the Champions League final. But he will enjoy the domestic domination of winning the Premier League once again. And they should, because they are the best team in the league and have been for a very long time. Consistently, over the course of the last five or six years, they have been the best. And he has constructed that team. He was, uh, he, I think he came from a better base than Klopp did when Klopp walked through the door. But the battle between the two has been absolutely outstanding uh, over the course of the last few years. And it's brilliant to watch. It's brilliant to watch these two teams going head to head. Liverpool will probably get the job done, won't they, at uh, Anfield? They haven't lost their all season in the Premier League. They're not going to start now. They take on a Wolves side that have conceded just 40 goals all season in the league. 
but that amazing front unit probably should take them apart on an emotive day at Anfield, Scott? I think it's one of those where he's going to see again, you know, a bit like it absolutely rightly was to make nine changes after the cup final. You know, you can't not only you've got to worry about the injuries, but also just getting up for it mentally and physically again. So he's completely right there. I think he'll be thinking, look, we have to win this game, but they've got such an array of riches up front that if anyone's struggling, i.e. Salah, why risk him? Mm-hmm. Why not give him another week? You know, stick him on the bench if he needs to come on for 20 minutes if things somehow aren't going right. But it, sitting here as we as, as we are, you know, what's the best chance of winning the next trophy? Well, it's the Champions League. I mean, quite clearly, you still have to beat Wolves. But they've got enough players up front to do it. And you look at Wolves and they've just taken their foot off the gas, haven't they, in recent weeks and not been able to win games. You know, he has made them very, very difficult to beat and, and concede goals, Bruno Large, but yeah, I think it's, it's just a typical kind of um, what we talk about with the sort of mines on the beach and the sand between the toes. I, I just think you look at what's happened in the last few weeks and they've just kind of taken the foot off the gas and you know, look, there's no wins in the last few games. They've made themselves very, very difficult to beat. Bruno Large has done a fantastic job in that way, but I can't see them troubling Liverpool here at all. It's an interesting dynamic. What, what happens if... <laughs> They find out the Manchester City are 2-0 up after half an hour. Does Jurgen Klopp's attention then turn to the Champions League? Does he start taking players off to rest them for the final? It'll be, it'll be fascinating to see how that pans out. There is a week between the Champions League final and the end of the season, isn't there? So, I mean, it's not like it's going to be, uh, you know, it's not happening on Wednesday night, for example, like it would have done in the old days. Uh, Salah and, and, and Van Dijk apparently could be back for the weekend. It was something that uh, Jurgen Klopp hinted at earlier in the week. Fabinho, I think they're less sure of him. Um, for the Champions League final. Joe Gomez injured again. He got an ankle injury in midweek. But Liverpool do have such resources now that they, they can afford to attack this game because they've got brilliant, brilliant forward players in so many different parts of the field. You know, Luis Diaz has made such a massive impact on this team and he's actually raised the standards of the others as well. Salah's been pretty quiet since coming back from the AFCON, but Mane's gone through the roof. I was going to ask you about Salah. The point you made about Fabinho, first of all, that would be a big loss in the Champions League final because I think he would have a job to do in terms of keeping Luka Modric quiet. So I think that is a possible problem. But you look at Salah, he'll want to play, won't he, Scott? Because he's still, at the moment, in the box seat for the golden boot, although Son could well help himself to that. So, when Son's Tottenham playing Norwich. Norwich. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, but Salah will want to play his way into a bit of form before that Champions League final. I wonder... Because he put out that tweet, didn't he, after Real Madrid beat Man City and talking about revenge. Do you think maybe that's affected his focus when it comes to this lack of goals of late? I don't think so, because I think you can go further back to when the lack of goals have happened. You know, yeah. you right to talk about from the AFCON or just the second half of the season. First half, I mean, he was up there with Messi. Well, he was the best player in the world, I think, in, in the first half of the season. Second half, you would argue, he's the, the least best of the, of the front three at the moment you know, the way Luis Diaz and, and Sadio Mane are playing. So I, I don't think it would have uh, affected him in any way. I think there is revenge. I think he does feel that. And, when, and that's great when a player's got that feeling, the bit between his teeth. Should he have said that publicly, though, straight after going through to the final? It's unusual. Uh, in, a, in an ideal world, probably not. But again, if I'm his manager, I'm, it's a bit like, OK, well, it's, it's a bit sort of right. manage the situation. How do I do that? OK, probably wasn't the ideal thing to, to do and it, it gives a little bit of ammunition for Real Madrid but if my player is actually thinking that I'm going to 
sort of fuel that even more really and make sure that he's absolutely up for it just in terms of does he play and yes of course he want to win the, the golden boot but we saw Antonio Conte taking Son off didn't we um, against against Arsenal that went and down he wasn't well. happy about that the managers well the managers will do what's best for the team the club and 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 certainly Jurgen Klopp for the city so whatever's best if he's not right he's not playing and you get him right for the Champions League final. I uh, had a look at the statistics with um, uh, Mo Salah ahead of the, the, the course of the the season. And if you look back, the first half of the season, absolutely fantastic flying, as you mentioned. He's got 30 goals and 15 assists this season, but seven of those goals have come since the AFCON, 23 before the AFCON. And out of those seven goals, half of them have been penalties. So he really has quietened down since that Africa Cup of Nations defeat in the final on penalties to Senegal. But the obvious assumption is that maybe talk about his future is distracting him as well because he still hasn't signed a new contract. I personally think he'll probably leave Liverpool. I didn't think that would be the case, but the longer these talks drag on, the more I think he will uh, look for a move elsewhere. And and I guess psychologically as well, when you look at the the impact of, of that disappointing end to the African Cup of Nations. He's had a lot to contend with this season. And the World Salah. Cup as well. They missed the uh, the Indeed. World Cup uh, appearance after losing yeah, I, to I, the same I, opponents. I, I, I don't think, think he will go. I'll be honest with you. I, th- I think there is a real standoff and they're playing chicken at the moment with, with the contract. But where does he go, Crookie? Tell me, tell me where he goes. I don't know. Well, it can only really be Real Madrid, but then we, we're assuming that Kylian Mbappe this weekend will announce that he is, is joining Real Madrid. So it depends if they want to bring in two superstars this summer. Or, or just one. So Mbappe's not becoming the PSG owner now, is he? As I've, as I've read this. I'll, I'll, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Two superstars. Real Madrid are going to sign about six players on free contracts. I'm telling you. And they've already signed Rudiger. They're going to sign Mbappe. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a handful more that they also uh, pick up over the course of the summer. They're my, big players that are out of contract. My point is, and yes, he wants to try and maximise what is his final big contract, but... Liverpool, as I just said earlier, are one of the two best teams in the world. I agree with you. I don't Unless think he should he move. Unless he goes to City, which he, he ain't going to City, it's a downwards move. So mm. Still has that allure though, doesn't it? Real Madrid still has that allure for players. No, it does. It does, but, but, but not from Liverpool. Real Madrid has the allure from almost everywhere else. But How is he going to go to Real Madrid after turning around and saying, we owe you one, we've got some unfinished business just moments before? Andy. That doesn't look like he's going to Real Madrid, does it? Yeah, it's a good no, shot, I, I just fair. feel Real Madrid definitely has that law, and I think that we here in England can't understand why people, you know, say like a Cristiano Ronaldo, what he did leaving Manchester United for Real Madrid. Well, if you're from you know Southern Europe or, or South America, that's the number one, on, and, and Barcelona as well, but they're on obviously in a much different place. But Liverpool and City are so far ahead of everyone right now. I, I, I just think you're, ne- you're literally saying it's all about the money, it's not about the trophies. Of course, yes, they can win La Liga, which obviously they've done this season. But you're talking about legacies. And, you know, I, I just feel you play for the best possible team that you can. And any, anywhere other than City and Liverpool is a downwards move, even if it is Real Madrid. Well, Real Madrid may still win the European Cup, might they? They've got to play uh, Liverpool in a week's time. Uh, the LMA Manager of the Year Awards on Tuesday, in a word, who wins it? Klopp, Pep, maybe even David Moyes, who wins it? Well, I don't think it'd be David Moyes, um, to be honest, although he deserves an honourable mention. <sighs> it's difficult um, because it's being announced before the Champions League final. Mm-hmm. So I think if Klopp wins the Champions League, even if City win the title, to complete that treble, it has to be Jurgen Klopp. I'm surprised they've not pushed it back a week to see what happens 
in Paris. I, well, I, I to totally agree. Sorry, mate. It, it, it's it's almost like the, the the championship manager of the year as well. I mean, I, Nathan Jones, fantastic job, but Steve Cooper, amazing. And why not just wait a little bit more and just to see who, in, in, in this particular instance, it absolutely hinges on Liverpool winning the Champions League or not. I'm 100% behind Cricky, and trust me, that's not a good position to be in. <laughs> it's, it's, um, if he wins it, he has to get it. But if he doesn't, then winning the Premier League is, is, you know, two domestic cups is great, but it's not the Premier League. Do you want yeah. to know a secret as to why these votes all happen early and not after all of the trophies are sorted? It's yeah, basically because everyone goes on holiday and there'll be no one there to receive them if they didn't do it. So they make it a little bit early to make, ensure they've got the attendance of, of the key protagonists. That's it. Um, right, OK. Uh, this podcast is not afraid to stoop to new lows. So let's plummet to the bottom and see who beats the drop. It is a two-horse race at the bottom of the Premier League to stave off relegation to the Championship. Gilhart gets to the byline, checks onto his left. Can he find room for a cross? Oh. And the four post! Oh. Oh. And Spike equalises! And Ellen Road goes bad! How precious could that strike from strike prove to be? And no one has survived on the final day from inside the relegation zone for 11 years. Aston Villa are level, it's 1-1 and it's game on at Villa Park. They have to win on the final day of the season to ensure they play Premier League football next season. Anything else and their fate is in the hands of others. We know what the prize is at the end of it and we'll do everything we can to try and achieve that. We have to fight for everything right now, nothing comes easy, that's the way it is for us. And there will be only one place to be on Sunday when it all goes down to the wire and someone goes down to the championship. And then there were two, Lancashire against Yorkshire, the Red Rose versus the White Rose, the Clarets versus the Whites. Burnley need to match Leeds' results to stay in the Premier League when they take on Newcastle. And Leeds, well, they've got a win at Brentford. Uh, Scott and I will be going down to the Brentford Community Stadium for Talk Sport. Um, and I suppose, look, it's going to be now biting. Both games are live on the network this week. And the bad news for Leeds, Scott, is, is that no one has survived on the final day from inside the relegation zone for 11 years. All the odds wow. are against them. Wow. Do you know what, Sam? That would make me even more determined to make sure that happens this time around. Oh, yeah. and, and, and do you know, so, so I covered Leeds, obviously working in the championship and um, it just felt, I loved the big games. I loved the big atmosphere and Leeds obviously is a massive club, a club that shouldn't be in the championship. And yet the odds are they probably will be next season. Covering them was, was, one of my favourite parts of the of the job, and and as I say, it just felt a real, real big club. What's happened to them is a real shame, and it's almost sometimes a strength can be a weakness, and sometimes someone who gets you to a certain place almost has too much power. And Marcelo Bielsa, I know what he means to the people of Leeds. That he's more than just a manager. It, it, he it's a it's a one club city, and it almost gave him the city back, not just the club back. So he will always be an icon and a true legend, but he's always also always been one of those who wants a small squad. He obviously flogs the players as much as possible. 
he probably had almost full control of transfer, both in um, last summer and also in January. So they are where they are right now. Jesse Marsh has come in. I'm interested to see. I know Angus Kinnear has talked about he hasn't had time to sort of bed in his ideas, but where, who's going to be the least United manager next season, wherever they, they finish up. But in terms of this particular game, my worry from Leeds' point of view is the defence. Yeah. You know, they've just been conceding and conceding and, and that's something where it looked like he was shoring up a little bit and then they've been conceding again. You know, they've got key players out like a, a Dan James and a Luke Ayling. You've obviously had Patrick Bamford out and, and, and there's been so many different things that we can talk and we can talk about it on the day, Sam, about why Leeds are where they are. But in terms of this particular game, do you think they can go to Brentford who have had a wonderful season? Again, Sam, between their toes mentally and they're going to enjoy themselves and they won't want to get injured. But what you do want, like we saw with Newcastle, is when your last home game, you want to perform in front of your fans mm. and they want to finish it off and finish off in a party atmosphere. My worry for Leeds, I think the best they can get is a draw. And the argument is, is, is that Leeds are actually only in this mess because they don't know when to shut up shop and going for it against Brentford is going to leave them open up the bay, even more exposed at the back and they've got the weapons to take advantage of it. Look, the game should be full of goals. Leeds have seen at least three goals in the last, uh, in four of the last six. Brentford have seen over two and a half in four of the last seven, which means emotions will run high. Whoever is going to drop might flip-flop. And you can only hope that we have sensible reactions from everyone because it's been a week of quite disturbing incidents where lines have been sort of blurred between support and violence, actually, consistently for the first time in some years. There's been a hell of a lot of events over the course of the last two or three weeks that have been quite troubling, none more so maybe than with Billy Sharp on, on uh, Monday night or Tuesday night and also on uh, Thursday night at, at Everton with Patrick Vieira getting involved, Crook? Yeah, I think we, what we've seen this week is is disgusting and disgraceful. There's, there's no other way to to look at it. I, I think what we're seeing now is uh, deep-rooted societal issues rearing their heads when fans run onto the pitch. There's a lot of anger uh, in the world at the moment, and I think football is, is falling victim to that. I've seen talk of Patrick Vieira being punished by the FA and the Premier League. That probably will happen. I think that would be harsh. Um, I'm not going to sit here and condemn Vieira for what he did. Ultimately, he is at his place of work and he is confronted by supporters who uh, are holding camera phones. You know, they're trying to make themselves the story. They're seeking publicity. He's seen what happened, no doubt, to Billy Sharp 48 hours earlier. I think your natural instinct in that situation is to go into self-preservation mode, self-defence mode. I think he did that. I think kicking out was an instinctive reaction. I think the the Everton fan uh, who ran at him with a mobile phone should be banned for life from Goodison Park. I think the Port Vale fans who were attacking Swindon players at the end of their League 2 playoff final should be banned for life. I think there's a case for that playoff final now uh, to be played behind closed doors, certainly from a Port Vale perspective. In fact, I'd go as far as to say maybe Port Vale should be kicked out of that playoff final. That's how strongly I feel about this. I don't understand the mindset as a football fan when you've just seen your team achieve something that your first reaction is to go and try and goad and attack the opposition. Enjoy the moment by all means, but why do you need to turn it violent? Why do you need to turn it into a confrontational situation? I think it's absolutely outrageous and I think that the authorities need to do something here. We've been speaking this morning, Sam, about those sort of cat cages they have at Wembley. I was there behind the goal with the Liverpool fans 
the FA Cup final, it would have been impossible for Liverpool fans to invade the pitch. Yeah. I was at the Europa League final in midweek. The Frankfurt fans didn't invade the pitch and try and go their Rangers counterparts. They were just intent to stay in their seats and enjoy the moment. Yeah, but they did also, They did at home against West Ham United yeah. when they were allowed to go on the pitch by the stewards opening the gates to let them into the pitch and they went right up the other end, goaded Mikel Antonio and goaded the West Ham fans and they were charged back by riot police. So, you know, they've had previous as well. Yeah. I sent you that message about the Wembley prevention tools because um, all three of us were at Wembley on Saturday Emotions ran really high in that game and obviously it was decided in the last moment by a penalty shootout and the Liverpool fans went absolutely crackers and there was flares and smoke and, and, and a really intense atmosphere but there was never any threat of them coming onto the pitch because they right. have the cat's cradles there which were installed prior to the first game in 2007 have been there ever since and we've never seen a pitch invasion at Wembley as a result of that and, and Wembley is a place where everything is decided so your promotion your, 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 the fact that you're staying in a league the fact that you've won a cup that you've lost a cup all of those things are decided at Wembley it's always an emotional place so they, they've got something in place to stop people from coming onto the playing surface I just wonder now whether other clubs the Premier League will be looking at that Look, we don't want to return to, to fences I grew up I grew up in a situation where I was squashed against the fence at the shed end at Chelsea for many, many years because the government at the time insisted that we had to be caged in as supporters because there was so much violence that surrounded and followed football. Obviously, a huge tragedy led to a, a hu huge amount of change. But ultimately, by going onto the pitch, you are betraying that tragedy. Do you, do you know what happened when people were caged up beforehand? If you don't, you should find out because it is a very serious situation. You must know what it's like to, to be on a pitch, Scott, when loads of people pour onto it. If you are the victor and you are at home, then I'm sure it's a euphoric experience. But if you are not in that situation, you're the loser and you're away from home, I can imagine it can be quite intimidating and frightening, depending on the character that you are. Yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to sort of think back. And I remember when I was at Charlton, actually, we had um, a last game of the season at St Andrews in Birmingham needed the win to stay up. And on, on, honestly, it's one of the best atmospheres I've, I've, I've experienced, you know. And I was only sort of 20, 21. It was, it was very intimidating. I, I quite enjoyed it. But they won. And I saw the referee as we were getting towards the very end look around and give us a little nod and I was over the other side so as soon as he blew the whistle I legged it to the dressing room and, and I could see but fans you know if I didn't know that and wasn't alert fans could have run past me and if they can run past you then anything can happen now I'm obviously I'm a hundred percent behind not going back to the sort of cages again I, I, I agree with pretty much all of what Cricky's saying I, I do think it's a bit of an excuse to say it's societal problems and what's happened in the last couple of years. I've been as frustrated as anyone as, as to what's happened in the last couple of years. But to use it as an excuse to run on the pitch and therefore and then goad and hit people. I'm sorry, that's not good enough. You know, take responsibility for yourself, please. And I'm really pleased to see that the guy that, that, that went down for what he did to Billy Sharp. I mean, that's just absolutely horrendous every yeah. time you watch it. And I, I don't want to watch it anymore. And, and Patrick Vieira, I don't blame him. The kid was lucky he didn't get two-footed from one of his old tackles because, you know, again, he's having to walk across the pitch and the fact that he's being goaded in the way that he has, there is zero excuse. You've got to realise that extra stuff needs to be put in place here with, with police. You can't rely on the stewards who are paid two and six an hour to, you know, to, to try and keep people in 
they're going to get hurt themselves. Why would they do something there? This is where the clubs and the EFL, the Premier League, the FA have to come in and they simply have to do something about it. Um, Scott Mento, who uh, is Benjamin Button of the footballing broadcasting <laughs> world. Yeah, how many faceless is it, is it now? I mean, you look at a million dollars. I'm too behind you, Sam. Yeah, but he's belying his age. Yeah, he might look, he might look 32, but actually, the the fact that he just dropped in two and six halfway he's through a serious chat sort of shows how old he really is. Um, look, look, listen, we'll move on from that because there's still a lot of football to talk about. But you're absolutely right. There is a, there is a problem. It needs sorting out. Um, injuries have cost Leeds United as well. I'm not sure Jesse Marsh has, has maybe done enough. Uh, to, to make an impact that would maybe, as you say, keep his job at the end of the season. But when you look at the players he's had available, it's not an, a squad oozing with quality. It's a team, especially at the moment, that looks like it should be fighting to stay in the Premier League, Crook. Yeah, it's the championship side. Um, given the absentees that Scott has mentioned, they have a genuine match winner in Rafinha, but I think he's cut quite a frustrated figure uh, in recent weeks, not least when he was forced to play as a right-back against Arsenal after Ailing's brainless sending off. And I do wonder... Um, if those dismissals ultimately will cost Leeds their Premier League status. There is a bit of needle between these two clubs. It goes back to when Leeds... Brentford uh, the and Leeds. Oh, title. yes, that historic rivalry. Yeah, go <laughs> well, on. Well, basically, uh, a couple of the Leeds players were in the dressing room telling Thomas Frank's side to mine the gap um, after securing the, the, the title back in the summer of 2020. It was a tweet that was put up on social media, a 45-second clip deleted, but Ivan Tony actually reminded Leeds fans of that when they were hammered by Arsenal he put out a tweet saying mind the gap so that will add a, a little bit of extra spice and of course you've got the Pontus Janssen effect uh, one of a number of former players uh, who could have a, a direct impact on their old club's futures this weekend mm, yes indeed uh, okay so we look forward to that Scott and I are going down there Brentford against Leeds is live and only on TalkSport and we are looking uh, forward to it. Burnley against Newcastle kicks off at the same time. Now, I spoke to Mike Jackson yesterday for the first time. He's a very personable, very erudite, clear-minded guy. And I think he was disappointed to come away from Villa Park with just a point because of the big horse miss. Uh, but they were absolutely outplayed. They should have lost that game. And they they relied heavily on Nick Pope. And they will need him again on Sunday against the Newcastle side that haven't stopped, even though they've got enough. Scott, what do you think will happen here? No, I mean, I, I, I was at the Spurs game on, on Sunday and I thought they were really unlucky not to get at least a point out of it. I mean, really good change of tactics, back three, work, defensively strong, hit the bar, opened Spurs up a couple of times. And, and even with the Villa game, yeah, I mean, Nick Pope kept them in it and, and, you know, another keeper and I'm sure they would have lost the game. But still, they they look as if they know what they're doing. And I don't mean to be disrespectful for Leeds, but it looks as if it, that they're still trying to adjust the Jesse Marsh's kind of system. And you, you'd, you'd have more faith in Burnley coming back from a goal behind than you would with Leeds. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I've been very impressed with what Mike Jackson does. That doesn't necessarily mean that he would be my number one for, for Burnley going forward if he were to keep them up. But I just think from Newcastle's point of view, and I said this on Sunday, I, I thought Arsenal would drop points. I didn't think they'd drop all three, but I did think they'd drop points because, again, we talk about that last home match. Yeah, Newcastle have had that now, and it's almost a question of, right, they've done the job. They've played in front of their fans. They will be 5 to 10% off. And I just think Burnley need to take advantage of that. They've got everything on it, everything riding on it. Their careers, 
their, their future mortgages may be, whatever it is, they need to stay in the division. And I just think they will get the job done. As much as I would love to see Leeds stay up, I do feel that Burnley will at least match Leeds' uh, results. Okay, I'll make a case for the alternative, not because I believe that it's going to happen, but because I think... You're so devil's advocate. I, I, I just think it's worth pointing out, you know, like Eddie Howe is not a vindictive fella, but there oh, will yeah. be a little part of him that wants to show Burnley and their supporters who regularly throw his tenure at Turf Moor back in his face, just how good a manager he really is. And then, you know, he has formed a little brotherhood at Newcastle. Everyone is behind him. He's very much in control of that dressing room and he's very much sort of created a unity behind him. And if he says, look, guys, you know, we need to prove to them that I'm I'm the real deal, it could be a lot. I mean, look, he's not a vindictive. He wouldn't be out for revenge. He's just not that kind of guy. But he might be. But he Sam might be. Biden. I never want to fall out with you because if something happened years ago and you still hold that grudge, my goodness, you're one of my best mates and you will be forever, okay? Listen, do you do you really think that a manager standing in front of his team say, oh, by the way, I managed this team a few years back and they I didn't do very well, so can you go out and try a little bit harder? You know, it just, it doesn't work like that, trust oh, me. Yeah, so I, the, I, I the can players see will not... Well, the, the, the fact they'll lose respect. So, Eddie will know that one, he doesn't need to, two, he doesn't have to, and three, it would have little or no effect at all. Okay, just playing devil's advocate. Um, Burnley have got a problem with goals, haven't they? They've scored just 17 at home all season. Um, and that they, Ashley Barnes scored his first goal since February 2021 on Thursday night against um, Aston Villa, and that was from the penalty spot. And they only got that because of a wild swipe from Emmy Buendia. Actually, they didn't create very much apart from that big chance for Veghorst at the very end. So, I mean, can you see them really scoring enough goals to get past Newcastle? Because Newcastle have got some firepower. I think that's a problem. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a comfortable afternoon uh, for Burnley because of that lack of goal threat. And again, it will be interesting to see how they manage this game because they're going to be kept informed of what's going on at the Brentford Community Stadium. They might not have to score uh, too many goals to stay up. In fact, keeping a clean sheet and keeping it tight at the back might be enough if Leeds uh, were to fail to win uh, in their game. So I, I think you'll see... Burnley's tactics change over the course of the afternoon, depending on the scenario. It's really interesting what Scott Minto said there about he wants Leeds to stay up. That seems to be the common consensus, uh, which is incredible. Uh, when you look Pep Guardiola is going to be really annoyed because everybody wants Le Liverpool to win the league and Leeds to stay up. Yeah. Pep, Pep and Mike Jackson are going to be furious. But they've hardly been everybody's second favourite team over the course of their history. But that has certainly changed uh, under Bielsa since they got back in the Premier League. But I wonder if, if the brilliantly named Mike Jackson might just use that to his advantage. Maybe he'll tell the Burnley players before the game, look, they don't care about us. We want to be starting something. Let's make sure Leeds beat it out of the Premier League. Yeah, don't it's, stop it's, until it's, we've got enough. It's the fourth week in a row that you've used Michael Jackson puns. We've all been doing it, but you keep taking it to the extreme, don't you? Um, it could be a thriller, Sam. Uh, <laughs> oh, got yourself the wall. Um, they are bad, though. They're, they're bad. <laughs> uh, this is getting dangerous. Um, right, okay. Uh, who makes it? Who survives? Burnley. Burnley. Ooh, yeah, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Burnley as well because I just, I just don't think Leeds will win at the weekend. Um, and if they don't win, and Burnley don't lose, then they stay up because their goal difference is absolutely abysmal. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think Leeds will end up perishing. And I wonder what inquest there will be after the game 
uh, when that happens, because I'm sure there'll be a lot of discussion about sacking Bielsa and whether it was the right decision. And actually, in my view, I think it was the right decision because I think they were hurtling towards relegation uh, prior to, to him being fired. But then the question will come, will Jesse Marsh be the man in charge next season? It will be fascinating if that is the case. That's a debate maybe that we'll get into on Monday morning when we do the review pod. Yeah, just a quick one, though. If that does happen and, and Jesse Marsh is relieved of his duties, keep an eye on Lee Bowyer, uh, former Leeds player. I'm told he's got a lot of admirers in the ballroom at Ellen Road. Carlos Cobran as well. I was going to say, more likely Carlos Cobran of uh, Huddersfield if they don't go up, because he was uh, in he was the youth team coach, wasn't he? And he, he's very well thought of by those at Leeds United. Um, we should take time to congratulate Frank Lampard and Everton, who have survived, Crook. They have. They've done it. And uh, they won't be involved in the final day drama. Sad, really, that the situation with Vieira dominated the fan chat when they've been a huge part of Everton's success. Calvert-Lewin making uh, the uh, the headlines with a diving header to seal all three points if they come back from 2-0 down at, uh, uh, at home on Thursday night. But Fabian Delft played a big part before that in terms of just over the last few weeks shoring up that midfield uh, for Frank Lampard and even Deli Alley actually coming off the bench at half time 2-0 down and making a huge contribution uh, to getting them over the line I think actually when you look back over the course of the last few weeks one defeat in the last five for Everton four wins in the last eight you know, I think you have to congratulate Frank Lampard for a job well done yeah, and, and to Rafa Benitez, who got 49% of their points uh, accumulated over the course of the season before he was sacked. Uh, you, you look at Frank After Lampard's, one win in 15. You look at Frank Lampard's impact, actually. He took over Derby when they were sixth, they finished sixth. He took over Chelsea when they were fourth, they finished fourth. And he's taken Everton from 16th to 16th. So congratulations, Frank hey, He's so harsh, isn't he? He's <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, I said earlier on, you know, Frank Lampard, he just hasn't got any friends outside uh, SW6 and the blue half of Merseyside. But doesn't matter because he's succeeded. Uh, and I, I, I congratulate him wholeheartedly. Well done to him and to his coaching staff as well. Uh, Ashley Cole has played a part in it. Uh, Joe Edwards, Chris Jones, all those who he brought in alongside him, Paul Clement. Just, uh, I think they've done a really good job getting the best out of players who had completely gone off the boil prior to his arrival. So well done. Um, we'll be at Brentford uh, versus Leeds for the final game of the season. We'll have Burnley, Newcastle on TalkSport 2 as the relegation battle is sorted out. But there are a couple of other bits and pieces to tidy up too. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Euros All Access podcast is proudly sponsored by Vauxhall. I just wanted to take a moment to make sure that all of our listeners are aware of the new Vauxhall Combo Electric. The Combo Electric is Vauxhall's new compact van that is made right here in Britain at their Ellesmere Port plant. Not only does the new van look fantastic and with a striking redesign, but by manufacturing 
the combo electric locally, Vauxhall is helping to support the British workforce. Local manufacturing also reduces the cost of going electric, making the transition accessible for more businesses. With an electric range of up to 205 miles on a single charge and one year's free public charging included, the new combo electric is ready to take on whatever you throw at it. Head online today and see for yourself. Search Vauxhall Electric Vans and prepare to lead the charge. Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply. The golden boot needs sorting out. Um, and obviously Son might well be favourite if Salah's not fit and he's going to Norwich. Uh, but also, who finishes in the Europa League places? We know that one of Arsenal and Tottenham will finish in there. Arsenal. Uh, and we know that one of Manchester United and West Ham will finish in there. Well, Manchester United take on a Crystal Palace team who were involved in that drama at Goodison Park on Thursday. And West Ham travel to Brighton, knowing that if they win and United don't, then they will claim a place in the Europa League. And David Moyes will get his ultimate revenge. <laughs> What's worse, Crook, finishing in the Europa League places or the Europa Conference League places? I'm not interested in the Europa Conference League at all. Um, but you are now interested 15th. in the Europa League by, by yes. definition. All right, yes, okay, good. Because you weren't because before. Oh, no, I've, I've been pretty oh, yeah, steadfast yeah, on this. Yeah. I know oh, some yeah, United yeah, fans have yeah, said yeah. Ten Hag could do without any Thursday night football, but there's a Champions League place in this competition. And we've seen no, the I final... mean previously, back over the years. I mean, you've <laughs> never been a Europa League fan. Mickey Mouse Cup is what you used to call it. Uh, I've commentated a lot of Europa League games. Yeah, Nat, so, yeah, exactly. So, the last sport. couple of I'm years, you've changed it. your mind. Yeah. I've grown to <laughs> love Are it. we saying that Cookie's only given Mickey Mouse games? Is that by two sports? <laughs> <laughs> you might well be right there. Uh, that's because Matterface sweeps up all the good ones, but we'll move on. Um, I think this is important for Manchester United, and I think that's why Eric Ten Hag has already got to work. Um, he's been in London uh, working behind the scenes on transfer targets. And I think Darren Lewis touched on it at the weekend. The Manchester United players will be aware of his presence. He will be at Selhurst Park, I'm told, at the weekend, casting an eye on them. And I think that will see an improved performance from Manchester United. I'm sure he's had a word with Ralph Rangnick as well, and he will want to go out on a high. Crystal Palace have had a, a, a difficult game in midweek, and obviously you've had those pitch invasions at the end as well, which would impact Manchester United. have had a clear run at this game. I think they can win this game. I think they can cement themselves in the top six, which is still an abject failure uh, when you look at where we were talking that they could finish. They were the going to win season. the title. They were going to win the title. But I do think it's important to get in this Europa League because we saw, you know, with the greatest respect in the world, Rangers-Frankfurt in the final for a Champions League place. That's a great opportunity for Manchester United next season. Arguably, they've got more chance of winning the Europa League next season than they have of finishing in the top four. But what about West Ham, Scott? They've got a tough game against Brighton. They've finished strongly, but you get the sense the Hammers have the bit between their teeth. And let's be clear, they've done brilliantly to compete for as long as they did in in three competitions. The League Cup, they went to the semi-finals almost of that. They uh, they went to the, um, the, the, the semi-finals of the Europa League and they are on the final day contesting a European spot. I mean, that's brilliant work with a pretty small squad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, just what Crookie was saying there, I understand with that sort of Champions League final or Champions League place, if you win the final, I, 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 listen, I love his optimism, but Manchester United are a million miles away from being <laughs> winning, in the Europa League well, final. Winning two games in a row, let alone Absolutely. winning a trophy. I love, yeah. I love him putting them in the final already, but look, who knows what Ten Hag can do. But what Moisey has done, I mean, nothing short of sensational. 
I was actually at the game, you know, they knocked out Manchester City in the Carabao Cup yeah. and, and the Carabao Cup was owned by City for a good few years. The atmosphere was incredible. Again, I'm talking a lot about atmospheres, but we've seen it a lot this season. There's a lot of teams in, in good places and West Ham were one of them. You know, we, we, we saw last season them finishing the season well um, and in the, high up in the league. And we thought, OK, well, one, how can they combine that with the Europa League? And two, is that because the fans weren't there? We know how passionate the West Ham fans can be. Well, no, I mean, he's just taken it to another level now. And to think where they are in the league with the squad that they've got, they didn't really in, enhance the squad in January. And they, I genuinely believe they should have done. I work on the Portuguese league and I was talking about Luis Diaz and... Um, Darwin Nunes at Benfica. I mean, if they'd have got him, then then who knows? I think they could maybe have got all the way through to the final. But listen, ifs and buts. It's an amazing job, but I do really like Brighton and what Graham Potter's doing. And with them playing at home, again, I talk about finishing off. I can only speak from a personal point of view. However the season has gone, your last home game of the season, you want to try and finish on a high and leave a bit of a positive for the fans walking home. and um, But it will never be I, as good as their last home game, will it? Let's be honest about it. No, their last no, home I mean, game we was, were there. Uh, that was brilliant. I mean, you might as well just give up now because that who, was Who did they fantastic. play again? I can't, I can't remember. remember Brooke, can you remember what game that was that me and Scott were at? No, because I was in the pub. <laughs> he was doing some Mickey Mouse game. That's what it was. <laughs> I was actually Chelsea against Wolves. So, yeah. so, hey, oh, so, like so, it, like so, so, so were we. <laughs> <laughs> but no I mean like, I, I think that's a really difficult place to go I, I think Palace could easily get a point from United I find it difficult to see West Ham beating Brighton just because I think they're in a really good place right now Brighton do you want a prediction I think West Ham are going to win and I don't think Manchester United are and I think West Ham are going to take sixth place there you go I there's my that. bold prediction for I the weekend that. <laughs> okay, uh, Tottenham play Norwich. Arsenal take on Everton. But is the top four race a foregone conclusion, Crook? Because the gap is quite large, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and you know what? I've just been checking out the odds for uh, the Golden Boot. Mohamed Salah, heavy odds on favour. You can still get odds against on Son. I wouldn't be against that bet this weekend because I think Tottenham will win. I think they'll win handsomely. And I think they'll probably have the game won by half time. I think this could be an absolute demolition job. To I was honest. looking at the uh, the 538 uh, predictions. They do like a, a real deep statistical analysis and then work out end of season probabilities as a result of that. Tottenham have got a 96% chance of finishing in fourth position. Uh, and if you wow. bear that in mind that the other scenarios that we've been talking about, relegation and the Premier and the Premier League title, Manchester City have only got an 82% chance of winning the league and Leeds are only 76% sure of relegation. It just shows that actually the most surest bet this weekend is that Tottenham are going to finish in the top four. There's no jeopardy on it, which is why probably it's at the end of this podcast rather than at the beginning. And it's why we're not going there. We're going to Brentford instead on Sunday because everybody knows that Tottenham will beat Norwich and Arsenal it doesn't matter what they do as a result of that so therefore Scott what is the verdict on Mikel Arteta because it was his choice to strip back the squad to uh, to be as bare as it is is it going to come under extra scrutiny for allowing what was at one stage a certain top four place to be squandered Nothing is certain in this life, Sam. Nothing is certain. But look, I think at the start of the season, if you'd have said, and I said this on Sunday, if you start of the season, if you said Arsenal finished fifth, I'm sure the fans would have snapped their hands off, especially after three games when they're, they're rock bottom. Um, 
the, the thing is, is that you're four points ahead of fifth with three games to go. And not only do you blow it, but you blow it because that fifth team places your arch rivals and you lose heavily um, at their place. It's just the worst case scenario for Arteta. But I still, I actually still believe in him. I, and I do, I, you have to say it's improvement and progression. And it's a massive disappointment. And the media and people like you and Chris. So, so you trust the process. You trust the process. <laughs> I trust his process. Do you not trust his process? Listen, I I went through I went through a stage. I do. I go go up and down with him. I I start believing, I look into his eyes and I start to believe in him. Yeah, I do sometimes. And then I think, what are you doing? Why have you all gone to pieces? Why has everyone got sent off again? And why are you, why are you playing, why are you playing Granny Xhaka at left back? You know, there's always something that undermines that process for me. There's always something. And I'm sure if I looked into his eyes, I'd be easily uh, yeah. bewildered as well. And he is, he, I love the fact that he hasn't got a great hair yet. No, he's, he's an engaging character. He, he really I'm is. I'm sure he is. Yeah. He's, he's only 30, he's only 38. That's yeah. why he hasn't got a great hair. <laughs> management will change that soon enough <laughs> look I do know what you mean because I've been up and down but I'm really trying to not be one of those to say yes one week and no the other week so you have to kind of take everything and say well which way are you going with him I, I'm, I'm behind him on the Aubameyang and what, what happened there you cannot have I don't want to call him a bad egg but just a bad influence someone disruption. who's the captain yeah. this big 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 disruption the players that look up to him, the young lads coming through, if he's your shining example, well, I'm sorry, you've got to get rid of him. And, you know, he wasn't doing it on the pitch and he wasn't being a good example of it. There are plenty of little bits here and formations and players playing. Why did he play him here? Uh, that, that, that anyone can jump on. But if you're trying to say, are you in his camp or are you against him? I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm with him. And I think he deserves... At least another year. He needs a good summer. I think this summer, in terms of recruitment, is going to be absolutely crucial because they, you know, they need to improve in certain positions. And if they're going to do it and they're going to give him money, then there's no excuses to be really up there chasing for Champions League come the end of next season. It's going to be a difficult summer now, though, um, because we're assuming it's a foregone conclusion that, that Tottenham will finish fourth. I think that will be the case. So all of a sudden, these targets that he's got lined up, people like Yuri Tillemans, who I understand was pretty much a done deal, if they did get Champions League football. He might come anyway, but there will now be a decision to be made. And for me, my issue with Arteta is that this isn't a hard luck story for Arsenal. They had their destiny in their own hands. They managed to lose against Brighton, uh, against Crystal Palace, and a, a really average Southampton side in terms of the second half of the season. That's a in lot rel- of dodgy lasagnas that they've had. In relatively <laughs> quick succession. Then they go into a North London derby, just don't lose and you keep destiny in your own hands. They get absolutely battered and they get clearly swept up by the emotion of the occasion. And their performance at Newcastle on Monday, as well as Newcastle played, and I think the fact it was their final home game, came into play. It was abject. Arsenal were utterly dreadful in that game. They showed no belief. They looked like they were the team on the beach. So, well, they lost 13 games now, Arsenal, over the course of the season. I don't think it's been as good a season for Arsenal as people suggest. I think the reason they're in the contention for the top four is because some of those teams around them, not least Manchester United, have been so dismal themselves. Yeah, but as Scott said, Scott's one of these people who doesn't like to go up and down, change their mind week in, week out. <laughs> but you obviously do. And at one stage, you were trying to tell me that Arsenal were going to finish above Chelsea in third position. That was more Darren Lewis. That was more Darren Lewis. No, no, that never happened, did it? Of course it didn't. Right. 
Listen, okay, there'll be lots of flip-flopping over the uh, weekend. Uh, we've got live commentary of the League One playoff on Saturday on TalkSport, and then full commentary of two games live on TalkSport and TalkSport 2 as Brentford take on Leeds and Newcastle go to Burnley on the final day of the season. It's between those two, Burnley and Leeds, as to who stays in the division. The title race will have reporters at both games. We'll be round the grounds buzzing all day Sunday, so make sure you're with us. Take us wherever you go so that you keep in touch with the action. The golden boot to be sorted, the top four to be sorted, sixth place to be sorted, the title race and relegation all to be sorted as well. And it will all be covered on TalkSport. And we cannot wait. We're excited about it. Uh, Scott and I will be at the Brentford Community Stadium. Crookie's bound to be at a big game. Where are you, mate? Uh, I'm actually godfather at a christening on the last day of the season. So, uh, I mean, who has a christening on the last day of the season? But I will, oh. I, I will be part of the boot room. <laughs> I will be part of the boot room. Loser. With the two who takes so, off the uh, final day of the season? Football correspondent at the biggest sports radio station in the world. How has that been allowed? Well, I don't think I'd have got a game anyway because of the boot room. So, uh, my conscience oh, is clear on that I'm front. Sure He's got some Mickey Mouse game. <laughs> Right, I okay. you before this podcast. We'll I've be been advocating you for more work. I take it. You all know back. you love me, Crookie, already. Uh, we'll be back on Monday, uh, Monday afternoon. Actually, we're going to do the podcast on Monday morning, so you'll be able to watch it hopefully, and uh, you'll be able to uh, uh, download it on the usual sort of um, the, the podcast providers by Monday afternoon. Reviewing all of the Sunday action, so make sure you join us uh, for that. The podcast will keep going throughout the course of the summer as well because we've got. Nations League action to talk about we've got uh, the Women's Euros which is upcoming as well all the transfer stuff with Crookie will keep uh, on top off as well so keep uh, listening to the Game Day podcast uh, from Talk Sport and remember Talk Sport this weekend is the place to be Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Before you go, I just wanted to remind you that the Vauxhall ELCV range is the best-selling electric van range from Vauxhall, which is driving innovation in 2024 with its modern facelifted design and improved electric technology. Now, I know that the transition to an electric vehicle can sometimes feel daunting, but rest assured that when you choose Vauxhall, you're in the safest of hands. The ELCV range is designed to be as accessible as a diesel van with an electric range of 261 miles and with one year's free public charging included, you will find it cheaper to run too. If you're already thinking of making the leap to an electric vehicle, then consider this your official sign. Go online and search Vauxhall Electric Vans today. Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply.